Welcome back, everyone. It's the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast. I'm Stacy, And I am Pete. <laughs> and I am so happy to be here today recording with you. Oh. I've been looking forward to this all week. It's like the highlight of my week. Aw. I love you. <laughs> I love you, too. Aw. Okay, everybody, put your puke buckets away. <laughs> <laughs> this is the lightest this episode is going to get. Oh, I don't know. This movie makes me happy. That's true. It's all just a matter of perspective. It is. I mean, listen, it's not a love story. It is not a love story. They are very clear about that in the beginning. (laughs) They are. But we'll get into that. Yes. Before we do, the movie did come out later than most movies that we cover. It was 2009. It's like right at the cutoff. This, I feel like, is the last year probably that we'll cover. Yeah. I mean, I would do 2010 if something really good comes to mind. Yeah. But I would like to stay in the early, early aughts. Early aughts. And obviously 90s and 80s. Yes. So 2009, what were you watching on TV? I feel like this was a really good year for television. Yeah. For me, I was watching Justified, Old Raylan, (laughs) Boardwalk Empire, I think had just started. That's one that I didn't finish, but I really enjoyed. Yeah. And I just- Ran out of time to finish it. I need to go back to it at some point. Uh, The Walking Dead had just started. I was watching Modern Family. The follow-up to Band of Brothers on HBO, uh, The Pacific had just started. Eastbound and Down, The League, Sons of Anarchy, all of those. I mean, what a great year for television. It's funny. I didn't watch any of those. None of them. No. And I bet you have a big list too. I do. Well, I didn't. I mean, I could have kept going with my list. I kept it. Sort of short. Shorter than yours anyway. I kept ones off of my list that were on your list. So that's why none of mine were on yours. (laughs) Yeah, because I knew a lot of these, some of these, not a lot, some of these you watch. Yeah. So there's True Blood. Which I watched as well. Supernatural. Also one that I watched. Vampire Diaries. One of my favorite all-time shows. (laughs) There are so many neck snaps. There are so many chest stakings. (laughs) Hearts ripped out. Hearts ripped out. Chests. Yeah, and a lot of drama. Everything's very dramatic in that show. <laughs> Actually, I hate that show, so it's all <laughs> Well, as you can tell, I was very into vampires and supernatural type stuff during this time. Yeah. Thanks, Twilight. Because <laughs> <laughs> that came before, I think. Or maybe right around the same time. Yeah. Actually, Supernatural came before that. Yeah, that was 2005, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then the other, all the vampire stuff came around 2009. Mm-hmm. Also, Dexter. I love Dexter. And then I just added this in because... It's a random show that I don't think a lot of people watch, but it's called October Road. I just loved it. Obviously, it had a lot of fall feels. Mm -hmm. And it's like about this guy who's from a small town. He left. He was a writer. He's come back to a small town. Okay. So he's like getting back together with like his friends and he's seeing- Things have changed. A girl that he had a big relationship with. Mm. No, they're kind of the same. Oh, everybody's the same. He's the one that changed. Uh, You know what I mean? Yeah. I've never Um, heard of that one. Yeah, it has um, Brian, what's his name? Brian Greenberg? Brian Austin Green? No. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. I don't know if you actually know him. I think he was in like The Wire or something like that. Brian Greenberg. Laura Preppen, which I always have been saying her name wrong for the longest time. Ditto. Preppon from that 70s show. Jeff Stoltz. 
That was a lot of people. Hmm. That was a cute little show. It was only on for two seasons, but I definitely loved those fall vibes. Well, we were spoiled for choice in 2009, apparently. Apparently. Also, though, there were some shows that came out in 2009 that I didn't watch at the time, but I fell in love with them later on, like Mm -hmm. Jersey Shore (laughs) and Parks and Rec. Some of those. Those were bingers later on. I watched those live. You watched Parks and Rec live? I did. I watched the first few seasons and then I stopped watching. So when we watched it, there came a point that I hadn't watched before, but I'd watched it live. That's right. Or I mean, maybe on DVR so I could fast forward through the commercials. (laughs) So we might as well get into it because I've got a lot to say about this movie. It is 500 Days of Summer. One of my all-time favorite movies. Yes, this one is so high up on your list. I feel like it could be your most favorite movie. And if not, one of your top five. Probably one of my top five. Not my most favorite. Okay. It's definitely up there. And a lot of it is not necessarily for the content of the movie, but just the feeling of the movie. Yeah. And I love the actors that are in the movie and just, yeah, just the feeling that it gives me. Yep. It's kind of like how when you listen to music... And you don't hear the lyrics. You just pay attention to the melody and the feeling of it. It's kind of how this movie is for me. I like that analogy because, you know, this one's one where I see a lot of opinions on YouTube and I've consumed quite a bit of that. But still, like, I like the feel of this movie as well. I love the setting, the music, all of it. Mm -hmm. It's a a very well done movie. Very nice aesthetics. Yes. (laughs) This is another thing that even though it has the word summer in the title. even though that's her name. Right. I always want to watch this in the fall. I mean, it feels like fall. Even though it's not set in fall. No, it's in LA where I don't think they have fall. Right. And it came out in like August right, or something. But I think maybe I didn't see it until closer to fall. Right. But yeah, it just feels like that to me. So it felt fitting to do it right now. Yeah. Because you know, I'd be making you watch it anyway. Well, fall is like the coolest season anyways. So this movie just has a very cool feel. So it belongs in and as a fall movie. (laughs) We've claimed it. So it was directed by Mark Webb, who I think before this had only done like music videos and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, He went on to do The Amazing Spider-Man. One and two. In 2012 and its sequel. I didn't realize these movies were so close. Like I always think of 500 Days of Summer as like a... 90s movie. I I know it's not, but I always thought there was more of a gap between this movie and The Amazing Spider-Man. And it's it's a strange jump for this type of director to go to a big action movie. And a lot of people don't like The Amazing Spider-Man 1 or 2. I enjoyed them. I thought they were really well done. Yeah. And I, you know, I enjoyed the characters. I thought it had a different feel. So I appreciate what he did with those movies. Were those the ones with Andrew Garfield and yes. Emma Stone? Yeah. Yeah. I like Remember those. he made us cry? Yeah. Well, he made you cry and I was just tired. <laughs> <laughs> the screenplay was written by Scott Neustadter and Michael H. Weber. And they've done a lot of projects together. They also wrote The Spectacular Now, The Fault in Our Stars, and Paper Towns, which are all adaptations from books. And they all kind of have the same vibe. They do. Like, I really like the work that they do. Yeah, me too. Obvi. <laughs> Produced by Mark Waters. And he's done films like Freaky Friday, Mean Girls, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. All up your alley. Kinda. Kinda. 
I thought you really liked Freaky Friday. Oh, I'm thinking of Drop Dead Fred. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I do love Mean Girls. What's Freaky Friday? Freaky Friday is a remake. The new one was Lindsay Lohan and uh, someone Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't think I even really saw it. I don't know. But I do love Mean Girls. And Ghost of Girlfriend's Past was okay, even though I do love Jennifer Garner and Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. That movie was just okay. A little wonk. <laughs> A little wonk. <laughs> I will say that I feel like this is one of the first independent films that I got super into. Right. Although if I looked at a list, there are probably some that were before then. Like I do think maybe Garden State was before then. That was my first real indie film that I enjoyed. I felt like I was maturing as a person and I could enjoy something like that where things didn't explode. (laughs) But yeah, I think that those were kind of the kind of movies that because I liked them, it made me feel cool. Yeah. If that makes sense. Well, it also probably... You know, like opens your sense of style and and things you might get into. It's like, maybe I would like to have a Moscow mule while sitting in a bar that has bistro lights strung from exposed beam rafters or something like that. You know, it's like, I feel like it's very world opening to see like what other kinds of things are out there in like cities that we're never in. But it's like, oh, I really like how that looks. I want to do that. Yeah, they definitely have a different impact, I think, than a lot of the movies that I loved before that. Right. In more of an adult way. Mm-hmm. It was like more of a, and I mentioned this a little later, but like a coming of age in your 20s. Yep. Even though I turned 30 in 2009, but that's neither <laughs> here nor there. So we said it was an independent film. It was picked up for distribution by Fox Searchlight Pictures, and then it premiered at the 25th Sundance Film Festival. Oh, really? Which is still on my bucket list. We're going to make it there someday. We've been to Park City and walked those streets. We did. Just haven't been to the festival. So this is listed as a rom-com drama, but the narrator tells you straight away. This is a story of boy meets girl, but you should know up front, this is not a love story. But much like Tom, our main character, as you watch, you just want to believe that it is a love story. Yeah, you fall for it. You get wrapped right up in it. Every time I watch it, it still hurts my heart. When I realize that even though I had fair warning, it's still not a love story. Yeah, they were very clear. And so was she in the very beginning. Yes. She's not there for love. She doesn't want a relationship. She doesn't want anything serious. Yeah. She's very open and honest about that. And he just takes it and runs with it. He does. But then like, it's so difficult because even watching it, we would talk about it. Just like, even though she's saying she doesn't want a relationship. She's given some signs that this is a relationship. I know. Like, if you listen to the actors talk about it, it seems like they had the feeling that, no, she was clear the whole time. She didn't lead him on. I'm like, no, there are definitely some moments in the film that I felt like she was leading him on. Yeah, because you can say one thing and then do something Yeah, else. actions speak louder than words. They can, yeah. What I love about this movie is that it's nonlinear, so it's told out of order. Right. And it's over the span of 500 days after Tom meets Summer. And then each scene is introduced where they they put a title card up showing which day that it is. And I wonder if that's what makes it feel kind of fallish, because as the relationship starts to deteriorate, like you'll get leaves falling off that tree and stuff. Yeah. Well, it's all based on what's going on. Yeah. It's like a brighter background 
if things are good. Yeah. They had said, I think maybe it's like a sunny day if everything's good or it's like a dry, dismal day. If things are not going well. <laughs> you know how many times I've caught that in that movie? Once. Zero. Oh, really? Zero point zero. Other than the one title card with like the yellow leaf. That's the only thing I've ever noticed. <laughs> so the cast, this amazing cast. Yeah. We have Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I lovingly call him JGL as Tom Hansen. Tom is trained to be an architect, but he works as a writer at a greeting card company, which I think is also kind of a cool job. It is. But it's definitely not what he wants to be doing. Right. I love that in interviews, Zoe calls him Joe. Yeah. Joe Gordon-Levitt. Joe Gordon-Levitt. It sounds so <laughs> weird, but she's the one that's been friends with him forever. Yeah. So. so, of course, we have Zoe Deschanel, who plays Summer Finn. And we meet her when she starts working at the same greeting card company as an assistant to Tom's boss. And she's like moved there from Michigan. I didn't remember that it was Michigan, but good job. Thanks. <laughs> we have Jeffrey Arend as Mackenzie, who is Tom's friend and coworker. Chloe Grace Moretz as Rachel Hansen, who is Tom's younger half-sister, but also much wiser. Much wiser. It's so funny to see her. As such a youngster. Yeah. Because I see her in stuff now, you know, as an right. adult. Matthew Greg Goobler is one of my faves. I also refer to him as MGG. <laughs> <laughs> and he played Paul, one of Tom's friends. I just adore Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Matthew Greg Goobler being in a movie together. Yeah. It makes me happy. One of my personal favorites, Clark Gregg as Vance, who is Tom's boss. But I love him in The Avengers. Yeah. And what's he's in the, so much. Yeah, he's in tons of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just love him pretty much in anything that he plays. Patricia Belcher is Millie, the older woman who gets married where Tom and Summer go to the wedding. Yeah. Who works in their office. Rachel Boston is Allison, who is Tom's blind date. We got Maylee Flanagan as Rhoda, who has her cat pickles. <laughs> <laughs> Minka Kelly as Autumn, mm -hmm. who comes in just right at the end. Steals the show. <laughs> Yvette Nicole Brown as Vance's new secretary. And Richard McGonagall as a narrator. Who does a great job. Yeah, Well, does. everybody does a great job. Lots of fun facts in this one. Yeah. It is based on a true story. I didn't know that until you put this down here. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So one of the co-writers, Scott, admitted that it was about a girl that he was in a rebound relationship with where he just fell hard and fast. And she, quote, returned his kisses, but not his ardor. <laughs> And I had to look up what ardor was, which is enthusiasm or passion, ah. which makes sense. Yeah. She was just kind of going through the motions and didn't want a relationship. Right. And this person's name is Jenny Beckman, who is a girl that's mentioned at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's so <laughs> funny that he actually puts her real name in there. I know. <laughs> I just sounded like Monica. You did. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mark Webb, who, of course, was the director, was saying about the movie that it wasn't so much of a rom-com as it was a coming-of-age movie. Which, like I said earlier, that it really is just about Tom growing as a person right. and coming into himself right. as an adult. Not just, you know, because most coming-of-age films are when you're a teenager. Yeah. You know? And you're still growing so much. I mean, you never stop changing, but you change a lot from your 20s to your 30s. Absolutely. That's like a huge time. It is. And especially like at that point, you're getting into serious relationships right. and real life. Right. And you're also like balancing work and all the other things that are going yeah. on in life. You still have fun in life, right? But you have to learn also how to be serious. 
that's like a big change, you know? Yeah. You have to take things seriously. Yeah, you have to learn to have a good balance. Right. But yeah, just like seeing the way he described that really kind of made it all click into place for me. Yeah. That it truly wasn't a rom-com. No. You know, that's never what it was meant to be. It was just disguised as one from right. like the name and the cover art mm-hmm. and the actors. And you're just like, oh, this is going to be a rom-com. Right. And he said, quote, we arrive at a different conclusion than rom-coms do for one thing. Plus, most romantic comedies are more loyal to a formula than to the emotional truth. Right. So it's about happiness and learning that you'll find it within yourself rather than in the big blue eyes of the girl in the cubicle down the hall. He said he wanted to make an unsentimental movie and an uncynical movie. Right. He said, in my mind, I wanted it to be something that you could dance to. And that's why we put a parentheses in the title. So it's like (laughs) a pop song in movie form. He said, it's not a big film. It's not about war or poverty. It's about 500 days in a young guy's relationship, but it's no less deserving of scrutiny. So when your heart's first broken, it consumes you. Yeah. And it's an emotion that I wanted to make a movie about before I forgot how it felt. I like that. That's really, really interesting. And it comes through because you really do feel everything that Tom's going through. Mm -hmm. Also, I liked how he spoke about like the character of Summer and how she's an immature view of a woman because we see her only through Tom's eyes and like his interpretation of her. We don't see her complexities and he thinks she's perfect. So for, you know, those periods of time where things are good, she's perfect in his eyes. Mm-hmm. And then when it's bad, he it's sees the it opposite. all. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that because like we watched an interview with Zoe that was pretty recent, actually. But she's talking about how she was shocked when she learned that so many people didn't like Summer. Yeah. Like they thought she was mean or, you know, whatever, or leading him on and all of that. And I never came away from the movie not liking Summer. Yeah, me either. I felt like she was a little cold in the end. Yeah. And I really did not like that she invited him to that party. We'll get into that. We will. But I'm just saying, like, there are certain things that bugged me about her Mm -hmm. that I felt like were selfish and, you know, just not thoughtful at all. But then we have to remember. We're seeing it from Tom's perspective. We're seeing it from Tom's perspective. Yeah. What did he leave out? Right. Well, and even the scene where they're laying in bed and he's so excited because she's opening up to him and telling him things that she's never told anyone. Yeah. We don't get to hear what any of that is. Because he's not really. Even even listening. Yeah, he's not paying attention. Yeah. He's just so happy she's there. Right. And he's just so he feels special. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm so special. She's sharing this with me instead of actually like listening and trying to really know her as a person. Right. Thought that was interesting. Very So this was interesting. The costume designer, Hope Hannafin, said that Mark Webb insisted on the color blue only being worn by summer, which I did not ever notice. Right. (laughs) (laughs) He based his decision on Zoe Deschanel's eye color. But Hannafin said that it works on a subconscious level as well. Like it's attracting attention at all times, unless you're oblivious like me. (laughs) I will say that the only scene that breaks this rule is during the Hall & Oates dance sequence. And uh, I even pointed that out to you. You did. That everyone was wearing blue. The point of that was to show that in the morning after glow, like Tom's whole world is now a reflection of summer. So oh, everybody so much blue. sense. It does. It's crazy. So much subtext that I miss. I know. <laughs> I also read that the color red was only used twice in the movie. Really? So at one point, there's a red origami bird in Summer's apartment. Okay, yeah. And then also, it's the color of Minka Kelly's blouse 
when she meets Tom. It's got to signify something, right? Yeah. Like somebody would have to tell me what that signifies, but it signifies something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's passion. Passion. But I don't know what that would have to do with the origami the bird. bird. <laughs> Maybe it's because he's in her apartment now. and I don't, I don't know. So last night I showed you this video that I used to be so obsessed with. Yeah. Mark Webb created it as like a companion piece to the movie, and it was called The Bank Heist. Yeah, and it's funny, like, who better to do that than this guy that would do music videos previously? Yeah. So Zoe and JGL are in it, and they're not necessarily being Tom and Summer. Right. Well, she just looks like Zoe Deschanel, really. She, she just is always wearing her, like, vintage dresses and, you know, but it looks very Summer-esque. Right. But Joseph Gordon-Levitt is playing a character that's coming in and robbing the bank. But there are no words and it's all acted out. And it's kind of silly and quirky because they just kind of break out into a dance. And it's to the song, Why Do You Let Me Stay Here? Which is by She and Him, yep. which is Zoe's group with M Ward. Group, band, I don't know. There's only two of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Musical duo. But apparently Zoe was upset because she didn't get to be a part of the big dance number in the movie. I could hear her complaining about that. Yeah. And so that was kind of Mark's way of reconciling that. Yeah, it was fun to watch that last night. I'd never seen it before. So it's a good little video to check out. Yeah, you should look it up if you haven't seen it. It's really cute. And also I showed Pete. We went down a little rabbit hole. Yeah. But one of my favorite videos that I found on YouTube years ago was Zoe and Joseph Gordon-Levitt singing What Are You Doing New Year's Eve? And it's just this little thing. They're in somebody's apartment and she's playing. A, is it a banjo or a ukulele? She's playing. She's playing the, yeah, a stringed instrument. It's from 2011, I believe. Yeah. The original one. The original one. Because then we watch it again. Oh, right, right, right. Remember, he he comes to one of her concerts, a yes. she and him concert. Recently. 2019. I wanted to die. Yeah. I wanted to cry. I was so sad I wasn't there in that audience. We need to go see her in concert whenever yeah. she's concerting. And apparently again. they do like festivals and stuff in the summers. Oh. Need to look into that. That'd be a lot of fun. I can't believe I've never seen her live. If I was at a she and him concert and Joseph Gordon-Levitt Walked out on the stage and they sang anything, but especially What Are You Doing New Year's Eve? It was obviously a holiday show because there were like Christmas presents behind them and everything. Yeah, they had the on loop playing the Santa from Rankin and Bass, you know, like the stop motion Santa was playing up there. It was such a quirky set. Which is on brand. Very on brand. (laughs) But it made me so happy. And I used to really ship them being a couple. But, you know, they're not. They're not. He's, I think, married and has a kid and she's with one of the property brothers. Is she really? Yeah. (laughs) The ones that look like Luis Suarez? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's recent because she was married before. This is a new, this is like maybe the last two years. Okay. Who knew? So when Mark Webb met with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he asked him who he thought should play Summer. And without missing a beat, he says, Zoe Deschanel. This was before he was even cast. I love so it. So it's crazy. Well, they, at that point, had been friends for like 10 years. Right. Because they were in a movie, I think it's called Manic. Mm-hmm. And that came out in 2001. So they had already been friends. And even in that that one interview we were watching, she had said that before they did 500 Days, that they had sang karaoke together yeah. tons of times. And just Good the buddies. thought of them being, being buds right. just makes me happy. 
So in the DVD commentary, they revealed that the soundtrack was foreshadowing the fact that Tom and Summer were not going to work out hmm. because they used bands that were no longer together, like Simon and Garfunkel, The Smiths, Mumra, Hollow Notes. So this is something that you brought up yesterday and you were very sad about it. So the famous bench in the movie, which... I've sat on. You've sat on, <laughs> which is Tom's favorite spot in the city, is now gone. Yeah, although, I mean, I think it is actually still there from what we saw in that 2019 interview. Unless it's gone like after 2019, but it was still physically there. Yeah. The park it, was different. It said that it closed and was like fenced off in 2013 because of budget cuts, yeah. like government budget cuts. Thanks, government. Yeah. And I was there not long before that. Yeah, 2012 is when you went out there, right? I think so. Yeah. Well, for that trip. Right. Yeah, it was open then. It's called Angel's Knoll, and that's where they have their famous penis <laughs> scene <laughs> and some talks, and that's where he, like, draws his dream of the buildings on her arm. Right. It's just a great little place that I think became a pretty big tourist spot after mm -hmm. the movie. Right. It's also at the end of the movie, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because she knew she'd find him there, or she hoped she'd find him there. So in the karaoke scene, found out that Zoe was given the option or she they asked her to give them some options yeah. of songs. And one of them was Sugar Town by Nancy Sinatra. And that's the one that she ended up performing. Very on brand for her. Very on brand. <laughs> I got some troubles, but they won't last. I'm gonna lay right down here in the grass. And pretty soon all my troubles will pass because I'm so the dude who gets in a fight with Tom, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, at the bar, Ian Reed Kessler, is credited just as douche. <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh so hard when I found that. Yeah. So good. I know he's been in other things because I recognize his face, but... I recognize his face, too, but then I'm like, maybe I just recognize it from this movie. It could be. I feel like he's just like a character actor. He's probably right. been in a lot of stuff. He has, but it'd be funny to be like, oh, well, what character did you play in the movie? He's like, douche. <laughs> <laughs> Not even the douche. Right. Just douche. Just douche. <laughs> so in the scene we were talking about a little while ago where... You know, Tom is talking about all the great qualities of Summer, and then it goes back to when he is seeing it all from a different perspective, like, you know, oh, her cute little knees, and then later it's her knobby knees mm -hmm. and things like that. Patrick Swayze's song, She's Like the Wind, She's is like playing wind. underneath. And the irony in that is that, obviously, that song was recorded for the movie Dirty Dancing in 87, which obviously Jennifer Grey starred, and she was the she, and she's like the wind. And Clark Gregg, who plays Tom's boss, married Jennifer Grey in 2001. I had no idea. Small world. Small world. Isn't it ironic? <laughs> so talking about that bench and that final scene, there's a fan theory that that conversation is all imagined by Tom and does not actually happen. The one at the end, right? The one at the very end where, you know, she's married and it's kind of some closure. She says she's sorry. Yeah. But even Joseph Gordon-Levitt said he believes that it's more of a scene of Tom coming to inner peace than actual reality. And then we were talking about this earlier today, like if that's accurate, then day 408, which is at Summer's house party where he learns that she's engaged is the last time Tom ever sees Summer. <laughs> I 
I know. I was so sad. It is so sad. I don't like to think about that. I like to think that it really happened. Listen, LA is a big city, but I guarantee you they frequented the same spots. So they probably run into each other later on. (laughs) They have a good laugh and a hug and he meets whoever that dude is. (laughs) And he's got Autumn. And he's got Autumn. They're happy together and they do karaoke again. Yes. Yeah. As couples. That would be magical. Yes. But they do have great chemistry, so it would be hard for their partners not to be upset. That's true. Or not to be a little a little suspicious. A little jealous. A little insecure. So before we go on to our favorite moments, mm-hmm. as we typically do, I just have to talk about this soundtrack. Yeah. It is truly, it's definitely one of my absolute favorite soundtracks of all time. Obviously, it's one of my favorite movies, so it makes sense. But it just is one of those that really stands out to me. And I feel like the soundtrack is almost a character itself. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I don't know if we've talked about this on here before, but just so it's documented (laughs) that one of my favorite nights with you, I think was maybe two years ago Mm -hmm. when it was this time of year, we watched 500 Days of Summer and then... I think it was your idea that we put the soundtrack on right after. It was. And then we opened our windows and went out on our front porch. And there were like fall candles burning inside. You could see them through the window. We sat on our porch swing and listened to the entire soundtrack. I Lance romanced the shit out of you. You did. (laughs) (laughs) You did. And it stuck with me. Like that's, it was such a romantical night. I loved it. It was. It was a very fun night. Very, very sexy. (laughs) <laughs> and very fallish. Very it was fallish. like nice and crisp outside. Yeah. It was great. It was. So some of the songs that we're not already going to be talking about elsewhere that we just have to mention. Sweet Disposition by The Temper Trap is one of my favorite songs outside of this movie. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I love it within the movie. It's playing while Tom is giving Summer the architecture tour. Right. So they're walking around downtown L.A., and this is where he takes her to the bench and all of that. And this, like, there's a few songs on this that when you and I were getting together, you wooed me with this soundtrack. (laughs) I did my own wooing as well, but parts of this soundtrack are what you wooed me with. Well, it was kind of like maybe still holding on a little bit to the whole mixtape Yeah. You know, sharing music, giving music as a gift was definitely a thing from our childhood and teen years. Mm -hmm. And this was, you know, what, 2013 when we had reunited. Yeah. So those were those were old traditions (laughs) at that point. But it was still very meaningful, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's like I gave you songs that made me think of you, but also songs that I just loved and wanted to share, which is what you do when you make a mixtape. I just made it in a Spotify playlist. And then I copied all of those over to a SD card from my car. (laughs) And it's actually still in there now. I still have that playlist and I listen to it sometimes when you're not in there. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) We're so cute. We're so cute. Oh my gosh. Uh, Mushaboom by Feist. Helping the kids out of their coats the way the babies have been born. Is playing at the wedding reception when they show all the cute little scenes of them dancing and chatting and they're playing Duck Duck Goose with the kids at their table. Yeah. And like the lighting is so pretty and it just looks very romantical and it makes you feel like they might get back together because this was after they had broken up. Yeah. 
and it's the wedding of Millie who worked with them. And so she invited them both and then sat them next to each other at the kids table. Yeah. <laughs> at the kids table. <laughs> then you have, please, please, please let me get what I want by the Smiths. And it's playing when they're at the office. I think this is after they've ended things. Yeah. So please, please, please let me, let me, let me, let me get what I want this time. And Summer's walking by Tom's desk and he's listening to it on his computer and he turns it up hoping that it'll get her attention because that was one of the ways that they bonded, which I'll talk about in a minute. Right. Over their love of the Smiths. And it does not get her attention at all. It does not. I definitely related to that moment, though, where you just kind of do things that you know the other person likes or you just think that it'll grab their attention. And when it doesn't work out, that sucks. Oh, it's so disappointing. It is. I haven't done something like that in a long time, but I remember doing that. Right. Early days or pre and post you. <laughs> <laughs> and then a song that I think really just defines these scenes is Bookends by Simon and Garfunkel. It's playing when you can tell that things have taken a turn for the worse. Time it was and what a time it was, it was A time of innocence A time of confidences they go watch The Graduate and Summer cries when they're at the record store and he holds up the Ringo Starr album because he knows she loves him and she just kind of half smiles. Yeah. And she's over it at this point. Yeah. It's all uncomfortable and a sad feeling. And the song just really brings it home. It does. Really gets you there. It's so sad at that point. It is sad. It's, it's depressing. And it's like, you know, he sees it, but he's still trying to deny right. it. Yeah. And you feel so bad for him at that point. Mm hmm. And you you know she's just trying to be nice. Right. But at that point, you just want her to rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah. It makes me think of this song. He had it coming. He had it coming. He only had himself to play. If you'd have been there, if you'd have heard it, I betcha you would have done the same. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. <laughs> All right. So my first favorite moment. We're into it now. I'm excited to hear these because I didn't read yours before. Ooh. I know what one of them will be. Yeah. So the opening scene where we're pretty much told how it's all going to go. You know, we talked about that earlier. And then we get intro to like both of these characters and we see them grow up. We get all these side by side photos as they're coming of age and the path that kind of leads them to where they're at now. And I just think it's a really interesting way to introduce us to these characters. Yeah. And... It's a great song playing underneath. It is. It's Us by Regina Spector. Yeah. It's so good. Very good. When I hear that song, I know I'm watching 500 Days of Summer. Yeah. <laughs> My first one is the elevator scene mm. where Tom is listening to There's a Light That Never Goes Out by the Smiths. Take me out tonight. music and headphones and Summer can hear it and she perks up because she's a fan and she sings a line from it. I love the Smiths. Sorry? I said I love the Smiths. You've, you've good taste in music. I like the Smiths. Yeah. To die by your side is such a heavenly way to die. I love them. 
And I just love when Tom is like, holy (laughs) (laughs) And I just think most people can relate to the excitement of finding out that someone that you're already smitten with loves something that you're also super passionate about. Yeah. Whatever it is, you know. I feel like to him it meant they were going to get married. Yeah, which is what I would do in situations like that. I'm like, oh, M-F-E-O. That's it. (laughs) Because <laughs> the way he like looks at her when she's leaving, he's like, that's it. This is the girl. This is the girl. This actually kind of ruined it a little bit for me. And it's only because I was doing some research and found that people that are huge fans of the Smiths mm-hmm. were like, some of them love the scene. And then some of them were like, really? Like you choose the most well-known song. Like that's so generic. <laughs> yeah. Like if they were really Smiths fans, it should have been. This song that's like more obscure or whatever. And I was just like, come on. Like, you know that the reason they chose to use the two Smith songs that they used in this movie was because they're songs that people know. Sure. Could you You find a more obscure song? Absolutely. Right. But they were just like, well, let's just do this. And maybe they liked them. You know, there's nothing wrong with liking a song that people know. Right. I'm sure that there was some debate over which one to use. Yeah. Either way, though, I'm just like. I understand that sometimes you get a little snooty about something that you feel like you're an expert in. Yeah. But it's like, come on, just let it be. Listen, if somebody did that with Alice in Chains, I'd let it go. I'd just be happy to hear them in a movie. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But also it's like, don't ruin it. Like, just enjoy the fact that like, oh, these two are finding this common ground with something that you also love. Right. All right. My second one is the expectations versus reality scene. Yes. Which is like, to me, such a powerful scene. And the song Hero by Regina Spector causes me to feel so much emotion. Like we just played it before we started recording. And it it gets to me. And I might get shredded for this, but I feel bad for Tom through that whole scene. Even though she told him, I don't really feel like she always considered him and his feelings, especially when she invited him to this in particular. Why would you invite him to this? Even if you were clear, right, that we're just going to be friends and he didn't understand. Why would you invite him to your engagement party knowing that he's not over you? And even if I I don't remember if it actually was specifically an engagement party or was it like a housewarming? Yeah. And then he just saw I said it was an engagement party earlier, but now I'm second guessing myself. I could be wrong there too. And he just, you know, saw her showing her ring off to some people and he realized. I don't remember. But either way, you knew that you were going to this new apartment where you lived with your fiance and he didn't know that. Yeah. He didn't know who this person was. Right. So that's tough. But I just love, again, this side by side that they do to show like what he thought was going to happen Mm -hmm. and what actually happened and like how sad it is. I know. It's so tough. You know, it's like he had been in a dark place and then they ran into each other at the wedding. Yeah. And that was all, you know, that was the kind of night that gets your hopes up and thinking that something was going to be. It sparked. Yeah. So then he gets an invite to go over there. And and so, yeah, of course, like he's imagining in his head how he would like it to go. Right. And boy, did it not 
Boy, did it not go that way. No. It was so sad. But it's also like, I love how, and again, this is probably a testament of Mark Webb's music video Mm -hmm. expertise because it's just so well done. And I love how in some of the side-by-sides, things look exactly the same. Yeah. And they did a really good job with that. They did. And there are a few things that are like extremely different and then some that are just subtly different. Right. It's very well done. My only ask would have been to, you know, when they cut away from the side by side and it's just Tom and he's leaving. Yeah. I would have loved for that then to have gone back to like a side by side where what he expects like Summer to be upset or something or to notice Mm -hmm. that he's even left and to have some type of feeling or emotion and then showing that. She had no she idea. She actually doesn't care. Right. She actually doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. It's such a hard scene. It is. I thought it was pretty clever of them to, yeah, so to cool. show it like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. My number two is the work party where they end up singing karaoke. It's just such a fun scene. I love how, you know, they're having these conversations about love and the Knight Rider theme, trying right. to remember what that is, which is so relatable, especially for us and the nostalgia of it <laughs> <Yes>. all. <laughs> But how she wants Tom to go sing karaoke and he's like, I'm not drunk enough for karaoke. And then she's just like, bartender. (laughs) And then next thing you know, it cuts to Tom singing, Here Comes Your Man by the Pixies. And he's got a beer in his hand and he's obviously wrecked. Yep. (laughs) It's just hilarious. And I love it. She's like, you're good <laughs> like in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, when she goes and sings her song, like he's just gazing at her lovingly. And because she's, of course, adorable. And mm-hmm. it's just I, I love it. And I love that bar that they're in. I know. It's so great. It is so great. We saw a YouTube video with the interview with Zoe that you had mentioned earlier. And it's actually partially shot in that bar. They go through, you know, where they sat. They go mm-hmm. sit at like the actual bar itself in the booth that they're, they're in. in the booth. Yeah. And then you see the, you know, where they sang karaoke. It was yeah. just really cool to see that not in the movie, just kind of outside of it. And people were in the background at this bar just having a good time. Yeah. So add that to the list of oh, yeah. spots that we have to go if you and I ever make it yep. out to LA. We're going to do it. All right. So when Tom quits his job, that scene. Yes. And he shreds poor Rhoda and her cat pickles. <laughs> and he goes on to like really just get it all out, all the emotions that he's feeling and also like crushes the greeting card industry. Just overall, I liked that he was really calling out people's inability to express themselves like face to face. Not that there's anything wrong with a card, yeah. but I just liked his emotions, you know? And I love that he ends it with, if somebody gave me this card, Mr. Vance, I would eat it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my third one has to be the Ikea scene. Oh, yeah. I always thought that this was such a fun date. You know, I was like, I want to go on this date. Yeah. Just to wander around and basically play house in all the room models. Mm -hmm. You're in the kitchen, the living room, the bedroom, and... Of course, there goes the fear by Dove is playing. And I love when they're laying in the bed and she looks at him and she's just like, This is fun. You 
<laughs> I love it. Have you ever been to an Ikea store? Yes. I have not. Actually, it's funny because the day that my friend Sarah and I went to see 500 Days of Summer, mm-hmm. after the movie, we immediately went to Ikea. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, because we were just like, <laughs> now I want to go to Ikea. <laughs> and we just went and wandered around. I had been to one before, actually, when I lived in LA. That was my first time going. Mm-hmm. I've not been a lot. I've only maybe been a couple other times. But every time I watch this movie, I want to go. Makes me want to go, too. Just wander around. (laughs) Okay. So when they show, when Tom at first loved all the quirky little things about Summer, like you were mentioning, like her knees, her her laugh, her birthmark, her birthmark. And then later on, when everything's gone sour, he hates all those things about her. And I feel like that's when you know it's over, like in the movie, but Mm -hmm. like in reality too. It's just like when you start hating all the things that you used to love about somebody, Right. that's problem time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Like, I do have a lot of dark things that I like about this movie, but I appreciate the reality of it. No, I do, too. I do, too. I actually do like seeing that juxtaposition of how things change. And I mean, I think we've all been there. Right. And I just that's why I like movies that have endings that are unexpected, because to me, it's usually unexpected because it matches reality. Mm -hmm. And this movie just feels real. It does. And so, yeah, I have dark favorites for this one, but I'm going to own them. Own it. Okay, HMs. I have to have the dance routine to You Make My Dreams by Hall & Oates. What I want, you've got that might be hard to handle. Like a flame that burns a candle. A candle feeds a flame. Yeah, yeah, what I got, full stop. A false dream to scatter. It just makes me smile. That's a happy place song for me anyway. Like, I can just play it. Yeah. And it puts me in a good mood. And I, I felt that way before this movie. I was going to ask, was that before the movie? Yeah. And then once it was a part of the movie, it makes me smile even more because, you know, how could you not smile thinking of JGL running around dancing and singing? Yeah. Well, I guess he's not singing. I mean, he's like mouthing it, isn't he? Is he? Yeah, I feel like he is. I think he's just dancing. Maybe he's just dancing. <laughs> but I love it. And he's like seeing a little bird, a little animated yeah. bird. And it's very musical-esque. And out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's so strange as far as the scene goes, but it's amazing. Yeah. And it's just to signify the way he's feeling, which is he thinks they're in love. Yeah. You know, he knows he's in love. Right. And he feels like she's falling in love with him. Mm-hmm. Things are going well. And so, I mean, honestly, it's probably all just in his head, but that's how he feels. Yeah, it is obviously in his head. Well, maybe not obviously. But it is. It's it not is. like there was just a random flash mob in the middle of downtown LA. Yeah, sorry. I was talking about the fact that they're in love or, oh. you know, he, or he feels like they're in love. <laughs> I was talking That's, about the actual yeah. dance routine. <laughs> oh, that didn't happen? <laughs> so my final HM is another dark one. So sorry. The advice that Tom gets from his sister that he's only remembering the good stuff, you know, like he's got to remember the bad things that led to the breakup as well. And he doesn't, he's not doing that. And that's keeping him from getting over her. Yeah. And to me, it's like such a lesson in how to break up properly. You can't just focus on how good things were. You do have to think about the reality of what your relationship was. True, except he didn't break up with her. Or why you broke up, you know? Yeah. And there's reasons why people break up. Of course, but if you're the one that was dumped, it's hard to see that. When you're in the throes of the grief, 
But un- until you come to grips with it, though, I don't know that you'll ever get over it. You True. have to realize what led to it. Yeah, I mean, and, and his 11-year-old or however old yeah. she is. <laughs> his wise sister. young sister. Yeah, she's telling him what's up. And then the end of my note there is too dark, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny is I forgot because I'm looking at my HMs real quick. And mm-hmm. one of them is when we see all the reasons that Tom loves Summer. And then later we see all the same scenes. But now he sees her through a different lens. Oh, well, you're So welcome. I chose a dark moment, too. There you go. So my next HM is the penis game (laughs) because it's just so funny. And I love like it's Summer's idea, you know, where he has to say it really quiet. And then each time you go back and forth and each time it has to get louder. Right. And it ends with them like screaming (laughs) penis in the park. Have you played that game? No, no. Me either. What I think is hilarious about it, too, though, is that in New Girl, which is obviously Zoe Deschanel. Right. (laughs) There's a whole scene where... Nick is trying to get her to say the word penis Mm -hmm. because she will not and cannot say it out loud. (laughs) And so she's like, (laughs) penis. And she just says it a million different ways. Maybe we can find the clip. Mm -hmm. I just want to have a mature conversation. How can we have a mature conversation when you can't even say the word penis? I can say the word penis. Say it. I, (sighs) yes. What? Pyrenees. You said pyrenees. Penis. Not singing. Penis. Not like a ghoul. <laughs> I can say it. Pianist. No, you said pianist. Penis pay. Not pig Latin. Pianist. Okay, not in Swedish. Pimo. Not in fake Italian. Pianist. Say it with me. P. Ness. Yeah, I'm the one that's immature. I remember when I saw that, I was like crying laughing. <laughs> so I just love like... <laughs> <laughs> the difference in characters, you know. And you know that interview we were talking about with Zoe at the bar mm-hmm. at the very end, she and the interviewer play the penis game. Yes. And you can see like she says it really loud at the end and there's people in the background. You just see them like the head comes up like, just like in the park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like what? Yeah. And then just one more small one. When Tom meets Autumn at the end. Yeah. We don't know her name at first. And so they're just chatting while they're both there interviewing for the same job. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that they have chemistry. And I love how she's like, you look familiar. Do you hang out at the whatever the name of the place is? And he's like, yeah, it's like my spot. I go there all the time. She's like, yeah, me too. And he's like, I've never seen you. And she's like, well, maybe you just weren't looking. Yeah. And that, I mean, kind of gave me a little bit of a chill because it's like, oh, that's so true. When you're not looking for it, you can't see what's right in front of your face Mm -hmm. because he was so wrapped up in her. And so then when they call him back and he goes, you know, they just kind of part ways and he starts to walk away. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. Yeah. So he goes back and asks if she wants to do something afterwards. And at first she turns him down and then she's like, you know what? Why not? Let's do it. Let's do it. And so then. He's like, my name's Tom. Nice to meet you. I'm Autumn. (laughs) And then he just looks at the camera with a big smile. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) it's so great. It's like, yep, it's a new season. Could we not get a sequel to this movie? Oh, my gosh. That would be amazing. 10,000 days of autumn. (laughs) (laughs) How many years would that be? It's a lot of years. That's a lot of years. I don't know. Every three years would be a thousand. So. 30 years. That's like their 30 year anniversary. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is that it for the movie? That's it. Oh, I don't want to be done. I don't either. We need a sequel. <laughs> hold on to it like Tom held on to Summer. I know. Let's play like one more song underneath us just to make ourselves feel better. Okay. 
She's got you high and you don't even know yet. She's got you high and you don't even know yet. The sun's in the sky. That's so nice. <laughs> this was fun. This was fun. Yeah. You're fun. You're fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 2009, give me a song. <laughs> I just saw what you wrote. <laughs> okay, this is another one from apparently one of my favorite artists. It's Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I hopped up the plane at LAX with a dream in my cardigan. Welcome to the land of fame access. Am I gonna fit in? Jumped in the camp, here I am for the first time. Look to my right and I see the Hollywood sign. This is all so crazy. Everybody seems so famous. My tummy's turning and I'm feeling kinda homesick. Too much pressure and I'm nervous. This when the taxi man turned on the radio. And a Jay-Z song alone. And a Jay-Z song. Now I love this song. Other than when she says the word tummy, which is one of my least favorite words. I hate that word. Is it? Yeah, I don't like it. I didn't know that. Yeah, it bothers me. But it's funny because I love this song from that year, but it's followed closely by the song that you picked. (laughs) Well, I picked two because I thought you might see mine and choose that one. Mm -hmm. I meant to tell you that you could have it if you wanted it. Oh, well, that's very giving of you, but you, you take both of them. Okay, well... The first one is one that's special to the two of us, so I understand your feelings. (laughs) But it is If It Kills Me by Jason Mraz. You and I, why we go carrying on for hours on end. We get along much better than you and your boyfriend. Well, all I really want to do is love you. A kind much closer than friends use But I still can't say it after all we've been through And all I really want from you is to feel me Ugh. As the feeling inside keeps <laughs> This just, yeah. It kills us. It kills us. <laughs> <laughs> and this song I, I learned about from watching So You Think You Can Dance, which right. is where I used to find a lot of new music. Yeah, I feel like you found a lot of songs on that show. Tons. I learned about a lot of new artists that way, too. Mm. I'd be Shazamming the crap out of that. <laughs> that may have been before Shazam, and I was just, like, typing in keywords <laughs> from the <laughs> lyrics that I could pick up. But this was one of the songs that I loved so much, and I shared it with you years later when yeah. we were reconnecting. Yes. And I used to have it on a playlist that would play when I'd go out for a run. And I would think that, oh, we're at least under the same sky right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And the other song I just have to mention is Paperweight by Joshua Radin and Skylar Fisk. Mess up bed with me. Kick off the covers I'm waiting. Every word you say, I think I should write down. This time period was where I was just listening to music like this. Right. A lot. So, and I haven't listened to these songs in a long time. So when I was just like putting them on the other day to refresh my memory, I was just like, I love this song. And I thought I was so not really Jason Mraz so much because, you know, people know him 
But Joshua Raiden was definitely one that I loved. And every time I ever brought him up to anyone, nobody knew who he was. He was very obscure. One of my faves. Well, that wraps it up. What a great episode. It was fun for me anyway. It was for me too. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. It's not a super old movie, but yet still feels nostalgic. It does. It's definitely a different time period. Absolutely. You know, 2009 feels a lot different than 2021. Right. So if you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find us at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod. You can join our Facebook group, which has changed names. It is now called The Cozy Club dash fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. We're slowly growing over there. We have some great mods, Joanna and Stephanie, that are helping us out, starting conversations. So come over there. It's a good time. It is. We're on TikTok at We Don't Want to Grow Up. You can email us at we don't want to grow up at gmail.com. If you'd like to help support the podcast and all of our other endeavors, you can become a member of our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. There you can gain access to bonus episodes and soon to be extra content. Another way you can support us is by giving us a five-star rating if you listen on Apple Podcasts and leaving us a nice review. You may listen on other platforms and maybe there's another way that you could rate us or review us there. So if there is, please do so. Those numbers do matter. So if you could do that, we would really appreciate it. Also, you could help spread the word by sharing about it with your friends and family and on your social media platforms with your followers. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.